house of combat audio is open for business in this corner with brian campbell returns with the mma edition as we sweep the leg and aim for submission with another lethal dose of that performance enhancing audio the brian campbell in fact without a doubt the voice that you hear excited to let you know that we are ready to return after a week off i back trust me i back and there is no shortage of big time NBA, NBA. How about MMA news, debates to get into, fights to preview, and an opportunity to welcome back in the king of MMA. Come on, <laughs> Mo. Come on, man. Come on, indeed, Muhammad Lawal, the king, the MMA moneyweight champion, is back this week. Look, we're going to talk about all things. Conor McGregor's reaction to his UFC 229 loss. Might What might be next for him? Habib, Nate Diaz, GSP, and so much more. We're going to look at last-minute additions to the UFC 230 card, including that Daniel Cormier-Derek Lewis main event, the new co-main featuring Weidman and Jacare, all the latest news, a preview of Saturday's UFC Mockton card, and a long-range look at what has been a really successful and entertaining Bellator Heavyweight Grand Prix as we build ahead of January's Fader Bader. Or is it Fador Bader? That's, that's up to you to des- describe, but that is one heck of a matchup. We got a lot to chat about, even how Canelo Alvarez's new boxing deal with the zone has a crossover effect on the pay-per-view business, including MMA. Wow. Lot to get into, to get you fired up. I mean, it smells so good. It has a beautiful aroma that arouses me. Oh, yeah. It's a, just, guys, it's a new era of MMA audio. You already knew this. Welcome to the Machida era. No, 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 no. Not, not that era, Joe Rogan. It is the ITC, the In This Corner. So if you listen today, if you laugh, if you enjoy it, if you hate what you hear and you feel like you gotta shake your fist and defend it, hey, let your voice be heard. Head on over to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call that jam. Take the 60 seconds, drop in that five star review. Let us know you're listening. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you want to hear. Let us know the respect and love you have for the great King Mo. I have his upcoming Bellator return when he promises nap time. When he steps in the cage, they're going to pay the price with nap time. Oh, wow. Wow, King Mo. Wow. This guy, BC's fired up. That's all I can say. Loaded show. Enjoy. Oh, yeah. We are back. BC, King Mo, Muhammad the Wall, the Bellator lineal money weight champion back in your living room for another week of mixed martial arts breakdown talk. We know about King Mo. Chael has told us. King Mo's a tough son of a bitch. That guy's all right with me. He's all right with me, too. Mo, what's happening in your life? Welcome back. Oh, man. I'm chilling, man. Just uh, enjoying life, man. What about yourself? Uh, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. This is as I'll, I'll say this. I feel like this is as busy a time for boxing and MMA collectively as I've ever remembered, like every week there's something happening, man. And with all the new zones and all this stuff, there's like fights galore going on all the time. Man, you know what? I love the zone. The zone was a lifesaver. Uh, I'm not going to lie. This past weekend was a great weekend of fights as well. Yeah, oh, know? yeah. Oh, yeah. Boxing's hot. Dude, I'm so fired up on Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. Like, I only need that fight for this whole fall season to get to get like fired up. It's got storylines. Did you see that sit down they did on British yeah. TV where yeah. uh, 
it was almost like Tyson Fury was like, my God's stronger than your God. You're possessed by demons. Like, it was wild. <laughs> What's going on here? You know, I don't know. Tyson Fury, he's a, he's a weird man. He's a, he's a weird guy. But the fight I'm looking forward to seeing is going to be, if it happens, Triple G versus Charlo. Oh my God, that's a dream fight. And that's, that's, that, and anything's possible right now because anybody that's not following boxing might not know. HBO boxing falls apart. They give up after 45 years. Canelo's this monster free agent. He signs with the zone for like absurd money. And now Triple G is a free agent where even Dana White is publicly saying, yes, we're going after him. We want him. So, uh. Hey, he's just trying to sell me. Charlie Mike Garcia. He's trying to Anthony Joshua. I personally think that it's weird that he's trying to jump into boxing while he's in, in MMA, but. You know, hey, whatever the money brings, you know, yeah, well, and also, also like you know, um, it could bring crossover fights a little easier. Like you look at you look at right now, they're talking about Habib and Connor. I mean, Habib and uh, um, Mayweather, which we're gonna touch on later. But if Dana has the right fighters under his belt, he could do possible matchups between MMA fighters and boxing and boxers in the cage or in the um in the ring. Yeah, that is a. Uh... Look, it moves, it moves product. So, it, he, that, that'll give him more reach, more arm, more, uh, bullets in the chamber to, to, to do if he wants to. But wild stuff going on, King Mo. A lot of MMA stuff going on. Fun time to be a fan, journalist, fighter, I assume. Uh, a lot, a lot of people getting paid these days. You know, I, I took a date with the zone a couple of weeks ago, did a little, did a little, uh, boxing <laughs> color commentary. Uh, you know, hey, whatever it takes here. I'm ready. I'm fired up. Let's do it. I want to start off the top with you, Mo. Well, I always want to get the camp update. Camp life. December 15th, Hawaii. We know that you're back against Liam McGarry. What's new in the gym at ATT? Uh, really the same old, same old, tweaking some things, doing different things in training. But really, just smart work, hard work, and then I'm um, gonna hit the strength training a little harder too. All right, all right. This is a light heavyweight bout, correct? Yeah, because after this bout, once I win, my, I want to fight Matt Mitrione next. Oh, meathead! Did you happen to hear the interview that I did with him on on this show uh, a couple weeks ago, where I where I met? I said, "Look, I talked to King Mo yesterday. He says he he wants this fight." And then I think uh, Matt's exact line was, uh, "Go tell Mo. I hope he's doing well. I hope he's recovered from that knockout loss." And then he kind of, uh, then he kind of smirked and smiled. Uh, he can smirk and smile, but I got caught. He got dominated. You know what I'm saying? Like he had, he got dominated like through and through, and he got exposed. Like I didn't have a chance to show what I what I need to show, but he showed what he had. And he had nothing, nothing. You know, like he's like, he's big, he's all talk, but the thing is. He won't fight me. He'll try to ask for a striker that's not that's not as big as him and a little smaller and not as fast. But he likes the advantages that fit him. I have to step up and fight whoever. You have proven that in the past. By the way, Bader says that uh, that that knee that you claim knocked you out is not truth, and it's those left hooks he hit you with when you were on the ground that finished that fight. Well, if you watch the if you watch the fight closer, the left hooks don't land on me. I, 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 I went right back after talking to him and watched that, and I, I think he's wrong. I think he's straight up wrong. Like, the left hooks didn't land, but, you know, he threw, he threw a few left, he threw a right that went over my shoulder. And, he but, seems you know, like he a good dude, that. though. Talking to him, he seems like a, a good dude. You got you don't have ill will to Bader, right? Nah, I don't know him, you know what I'm saying? So I don't really know him. Alright, alright. We're gonna get to that Bellator heavyweight situation in a moment. Uh, the, 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 look, Conor McGregor's back. He, he posted an Instagram post this morning that's getting a lot of attention because of its detail, its length, breaking down what happened, 
in the Habib loss at UFC 229. It began with thoughts on my last fight. He literally went round by round, King Mo, telling what he did, what he did wrong, what he needs to do next time. I thought it was incredibly honest. I thought maybe it was too much detail. And it even closed with him essentially saying, if it's not the rematch right away, no problem. I will face the next in line. It's all me always anyway. See you soon, my fighting fans. I love you all. King Mo, what did you take from this where Connor's admitting his wrongs but basically telling what he has to do if he wants to get another chance at Habib? Well, really, he has said things that everybody in the MMA world knew that he had no grappling. Two, he said he respected it. He said in the, in the post, he said he didn't respect the grappling part, expect offensively. He just says too defensively, which – Shows that he, we knew he had no grappling offensively to start off with. Three, he just, he, um, pretty much disregarded everything Habib did that was good besides the right hand. Anytime Habib was, was stalking him and putting pressure on him and ground and pounding him, he was like, well, all he did was hold me, you know, um, he ain't doing any damage and blah, 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 blah. And then he spoke about the, the, I think the third round was the worst round of his life. And he did get the fourth round, but really the fourth round, like, like he, he did good, but he, he, that's the round he might only won. Or actually, is it, yeah, not only the only round he won, maybe. I, I, he did the best of that round, but really it was still a close round. Other than that, like, he got dominated, but he still doesn't respect the wrestling part of the MMA world. He said Habib, whenever Habib went to take him down, he said Habib ducked under and disengaged. Well, how do you take somebody down by, through disengagement? That's not possible. I just think that, um, you know, um, he says he says the right things, he's the right mentality, but at the same time, he's to show more respect to the wrestling, the actually the wrestling and grappling portion. Yeah, I felt like there was a lot of there was like good and bad in this post, like a, competing feelings coming at me. Now, his specific quote about getting dropped by that right hand was kind of interesting, and he, and he basically said, "quote." I gave Habib's upright fighting no respect and preparation, no specific stand-up spars whatsoever. Attacking grappling wrestlers only. That won't happen again. I also gave my attacking grappling no respect. I was too defensive-minded. Lessons. Listen to nobody but yourself on your skill set. You are the master of your own universe. End quote. So is he trying to say that in the future, he's going to be going for takedowns? He's going to have offensive wrestling? What is he saying here? Well, he probably saying, I'm going to go for submissions or sweeps. Maybe. Because as far as offensive wrestling, it'll never really happen unless he, unless he changes some things. Um, he said he's trained with only grapplers. Well, here's the problem. Habib is a, he's a, he's a problem because you can train to stop his takedowns, but it opens up his striking. You train to stop his striking, it opens up his takedowns. So Connor's going to have to become more, like more of a, of a wrestler in a sense to where he can engage the wrestling and also learn how to sprawl, which will take time. You've seen guys like Anderson Silva. You've seen guys like um, other strikers take time. Edson Barboza, all those guys, it took them time. It took them years to learn how to sprawl. Connor's got to the point where now the moment he starts to learn how to wrestle, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to mess things up for him. He's going to go through a little, a little muddy transition phase. Yeah, he almost just needs to be the best version of himself he can be. Like, I thought his coach, John Kavanaugh, who did uh, lengthy chats with both the uh, Joe Rogan podcast and with Ariel Hawani, kind of laid it out well. He also said that they were too defensive, and he thought 
even though he gave no credence to the idea of cage rust coming in, he thought it was cage rust that ultimately was the problem, and specifically cardio rust. Because he said when Connor in that third round was finally in position to hurt Habib, he had nothing left on his punches. He was gassed out, and that that's what you saw what happened in the fourth round. And, I, I mean, it's cool. Yeah, do more wrestling, but... If you're just the best version, like, here's my, here's my point on this. What Connor does really well is respond to losses and be honest and go back in there and refigure himself. As soon as he lost to Nate the first fight, he said, I'm, I want the rematch. It has to be at 170. I'm going to run this back. You got to give him credit for that rematch. Five round war. Connor dug deep. He had it. Connor wasn't as fresh for this Habib fight as he was in 2016. Maybe that's, he wasn't in the gym. It wasn't as consistent, but, I think, if if anything, the biggest problem was he didn't he didn't have it. He didn't have it in the tank. He didn't have what it took to go five hard rounds at this kind of pace. So I was encouraged by this post in the sense that Connor handles losses well. He puts it on himself and he turns around and he goes back to the to the laboratory and he wants to run the fight back. But it's like, to your point, I don't know if he was pointing to the right reasons at why he lost. He lost because he gassed out ultimately, right? I, and not just that, but I think Habib would have always been a problem for him. Here's why. So let's say Connor was winning. Was, let's say Connor didn't have the two the layoff and was still fighting. The UFC would have been giving him guys that he would been not that that um, Connor would knock out. Habib would be fighting the guys that the UFC knows is tough, but they don't want them to see the go to the top, and they want someone to knock. You know, they want to do an elimination between him and um, Habib. So people watch Habib win. Wouldn't be nearly as impressive, but he'd be winning the same way as he always was. People be seeing Connor go out there and knocking people out like he always did. So when the matchup would happen, Connor would not respect what Habib did anyway. He wouldn't respect it anyway, and it probably been worse because Habib would. I think it would been worse. I think. I think now. I think Connor took time off and he respected the wrestling now, but I think that Connor was still in the mode he was in back then. It would. It would. It would. It would probably been worse. So Connor, if you read this in detail, essentially says the punch that he got knocked down with in the second round turned the tide, but he yeah. lost the fight in the fourth round because of, quote, I made a critical error of abandoning my overhook at this crucial time, exposing the back, and I end up beaten fair and square. So that's where essentially where my issue okay, is. Okay, let me tell you something. I'm about to cut you off. The overhook wizard position is obsolete. If you're facing someone like a good Sambo guy, good Judo guy, or a good wrestler. Now, if you're good in that position, naturally, if you're tall, lanky, and you have good, good Judo, or a good Greco-Roman wrestling, or some type of, you know, wrestling, then you're good there. But Connor has no history of grappling. So, the overall position for someone like Connor versus a guy like Khabib, it was, 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 was a, was a mistake anyway. To be honest with you, just saying. You can't give up inside position to a superior grappler. Enough said. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. So, like I said, I was encouraged by the, the, like the competitor. Look, say what you will about uh, uh, Connor, whether you like him or not. The guy's a competitor. The guy is a, is deep inside has this hunger. That hunger was there in the Diaz rematch. But that hunger's not there when fatigue makes you a coward. That hunger wasn't there when he tapped to Nate. In the second round, that hunger wasn't there when he tapped to Habib in the fourth round. Well, well, yeah, you know, hold up, talking about the hunger's always there. What, what happens is it was beat out of him and it was squeezed out of him through fatigue. That was it. So, 
I like that there's this part of him that's like, I want the rematch right away. I don't need rebuilding. I need to, I just need this again and I'm going to prove to you guys I can correct my wrongs. You love that about a guy. I just think this post was almost too much detail and it was almost too much where it shows you like he's trying to convince himself maybe because he's not a guy that puts it all out there at this level and he willingly put this post out there and really broke it down minute by minute. I think a little bit, but here's one thing that he didn't mention, which is smart he didn't mention. His, his, um, lactic acid threshold, his power endurance, he's to work on that. Meaning, meaning, if he had this high lactic acid threshold, he'd be like some, that's someone like Randy Couture has a high lactic acid threshold. Habib, they do the same thing with those grinders, um, Jake Shields, um, John Fitch. If he could build his lactic acid threshold, he'll never, he'll never, um, get, he- his arms and body will never get heavy and he'll stay fresh and recover faster. And if he can work on his power and endurance, he can carry his power from the first round to the fifth round. Those are things that he really needs to touch on as well, but he didn't bring up. And that's probably a good thing he didn't bring it up because the moment he faces grinders, the grinders will know, I just gotta make it past the first, first and a half round and I'll give, I'll be, I'll be, I'll give, I'll give him issues. I'll be a nightmare for this man. I, I do think that he's right on the idea that that right hand that dropped Connor momentarily in round two, I think it mentally changed the fight for him because he didn't expect that and he thought it was going to be all about walking uh, Habib down. Like, okay, take me down if you want, but eventually I'm going to get back up when the round ends and I'm going to walk you down. And from that moment forward, I didn't see any zip on Connor's punches. So that yeah, that, that mentally that, was certainly a big yeah. moment. And that shot was always going to land because Connor was expecting to sprawl. Connor, Connor was dropping down and that shot was going to land because Connor, he was making Habib sprawl, Habib was, he was sprawling Habib, but not making him pay. So if he could make a wrestler pay off a of sprawl, the chances of them shooting again are slim. Uh, Dana White sat down with ESPN's Brett Okamoto for a lengthy chat, and Brett asked him, not as a fight promoter, as a fan, who do you want to see Habib fight next? And Dana, to his credit, said Tony. And I think a lot of Tony Ferguson, I think a lot of us would agree with that. So if that's the Dana White mentality at the moment, and we don't expect a Conor Habib rematch right away, meaning like this spring, you know, like maybe we expect it by the end of 2019, who would you put Connor in with next, Kingbo? Be a smart promoter here. If you're the, if you're Dana White, you certainly don't want Connor to take a loss. You know him coming back against anybody is a monster pay-per-view that's going to bring eyes. You got to give him a, a, a sort of suitable enough contender, but you got to give him a guy he's going to beat so you can start to build, you know, bang that drum for the Habib rematch. Who's the guy that perfectly fits that mold? Or do you just say, Let's do the Nate trilogy and roll the dice and whatever happens, happens. Uh, I would say this might not be, this might not be a, um, an easy fight for him. And I wouldn't say that, that this fight he's going to win, but an exciting fight, a fight that people would love to see would be him versus Edson Barboza. Ooh, that's an interesting one. Barbosa's ranked. I think his, his stock is back going upwards coming off of that loss to Habib, right? He's put, did he put together yeah. a few wins? I honestly put, I don't know if he won, I don't think he's fought since then. He's an American top team now. That's my boy right there. I think, I think that him versus Conor would be a, a fight that people would love to see. You know, that is a, a, sort of the, the right idea of a guy to bounce back against who's credibly ranked, certainly dangerous, but you know, can be beat at the same time. Now you're right, he's on a two fight losing skid, got dominated by Habib, came back and was stopped by Kevin Lee. In April of this year during that catchweight bout after Lee missed weight. 
that's interesting. I mean, I yeah, was... Yeah, yeah, and the thing is, I give him a pass because Lee missed weight. You know, Lee came, Lee, Lee came in looking monstrous. Um, he almost finished Lee as well. People don't remember the spinning, spinning heel kick. Oh, yeah. Had, yeah. yeah, and he came close. But now I feel like um, he was Mark Henry. I think he um, got as far as he would, would get with Mark Henry because the style. I think the American top team, I think we'll find – I've, I've been talking to him and I've been explaining to him that I feel like he should be more efficient with the style. I felt like in the, um, in the um, Kevin Lee fight and in the Habib fight, he was moving too much. He spent too much energy. And when you move like that too much, all you can do is throw big movements. Look at Mark Dacasi. He's my boy too. But he moves so much that when he come, when, when, when the, when the range is closed on him, he does a big move, big right hand, big flying knee, big kick, big spinning heel kick. And what happens is when you miss those maneuvers, you gas out. I think you can't give him somebody too dangerous like we mentioned. I think, um, how about this for creative matchmaking? Cause how about you give him a Jose Aldo rematch at lightweight? Yeah, well, yeah. But at the same time, like, give Jose, give Jose a fight at 155. One fight first. Cause I feel like, you know, I feel like that's like, that's, that's, that's almost too obvious. It's like, hey, you want a sacrificial lamb? Here's Jose. <laughs> Cause Jose really ain't ranked at 155. And then what beating him, Say it's a close fight. Say it's a close, say it's a close fight. Then how do you justify Connor's next fight versus a guy in the top five? I, I think that's has- a fair comeback, yeah. Cause you know, you're not gonna give him Justin Gage G cause there's a potential that it becomes a war and he gets hurt. Um, maybe Anthony Pettis is the perfect guy in reality. Coming off a loss, former champion, big name, certainly can fill the B side of a pay-per-view from like casual fan standpoint of like, oh yeah, Showtime Pettis? He's gonna fight Connor? What? That might that might be the yeah point. yeah maybe unless you want to do Michael Chiesa and make it all about the uh, glass in the eye or that was Ray Borg but yeah, make it all about they, the... they can do that I think I, I would honestly think that if they want to fight do a Habib rematch like the Chiesa fight be a, a nice build towards it to see what see, see what type of wrestling um Connor has developed winner wins the lawsuit how about that. <laughs> there you go. That would be a good one, but I don't know if I'd be, if I, if I, would, I, I wouldn't accept that. Yeah, yeah. So my money might be bigger than his purse. Hey, I gotta say though, as a whole, tell me if I'm wrong, and I said this the moment they announced Connor was coming back, with John Jones back, with DC coming back sooner than we thought, with this idea of what fun fight you're gonna make for Connor next, are we gonna make Habib Tony next? King Bo, this is as healthy as the UFC has been since UFC 205, Connor McGregor, Eddie Alvarez. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I can say I can say that, and you, I can I can say I can agree with that. Um, let's just sit. Let's right now it's sitting healthy, but let's just see what happens with the Habib thing in the commission. I hope that it's like a little slap on the wrist or nothing big. I feel bad for Habib's um, cornerman, you know, what I'm saying his homeboy that got pulled off the off the fight card. You know, he, I, I feel like you, I, I feel like you know um, the UFC should have just punished him, gave him a fine, or. Maybe give him a one fight suspension or two fight suspension, something like that. But don't cut the man. Do they cut him? Or well, he has they... not been cut. So that's a good okay, transition good. to Habib's situation right now. Because since we last recorded King Mo, Habib came out publicly. Even though Dana White says they're good now, he at first came out publicly and was like, hey, UFC, like, if you fire my boy and pull him out of that main event against, uh, against, uh, Artem Lobov this Saturday at UFC, uh, in Moncton, Canada, uh, you can have your my $2 million and basically stuff it because I'm out too. So that was sort of a power move publicly by Habib. Since then, they have pulled his teammate 
from the Artem Lobov fight, but I, they said it's for investigation purposes, but I think it's more like, let's not have any more negative PR on that in the moment. Let's not have any moments at that fight where the, the two camps fight. They did not fire him, though. And, I, and Kingbo, you know, it's the same discussion we had right after that fight. You can't fire him right now. Just like you can't strip Habib and suspend him for too long because you didn't do the same to Connor and Artem Lobov in April. Now, they did pull Artem Lobov off of UFC 223 in April for his role in the bus attack, but they didn't fire him. So if you're not going to fire Artem in that spot, you can't they fire him. Did they find him, or what they do with him? They just pulled him off the card. That's all they did and rescheduled this fight. And they didn't find him? No. Okay. So can you can – you, you can't do anything to Habib because – you're, you're asking, look, here's the, I mean, here's the bottom line for UFC. When they go in their think tank room where there's no media, where there's no recordings and they go, all right, what the hell are we going to do? I guarantee the conversation is, look guys, we, if we drop the bomb on Nurmagomedov here after not doing it to Connor, we're going to lose him. Like he has enough willpower and belief in his, uh, in his virtues that he'll just walk away. Like we're, we have potential to have a scandal here. I believe that King Mo. I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I don't know what they're thinking because I thought that they'd be thinking different ways. I, I'm pretty sure they have something, a good plan for something. I don't. I don't know what it is. I'm pretty sure it's something good. It should be something smart because they make they they're making good moves now. Things are things are working in their favor. So I'm pretty sure they're gonna ride this wave of positivity and do something. Do something. Do do the right thing. So that's what I'm hoping. We won't be seeing Artem Lobov on Saturday against Zubara Takugov, who was a uh, member of Habib's Corner, who took part in that melee with McGregor. Michael Johnson is going to be a last-minute sub in. We can get to that later. But do you know anything about Zubara as a fighter? I, I, I'm very unwoke on this guy. Nah, I'm, I don't know much about him either. All right, it's, it's um, interesting. If he's, from, if he's from Doggy Sample and he's with Habib's Corner crew, I'm pretty sure he's a good sambo guy, decent, solid hands, good ground and pound, solid submissions. So we talked about uh, Habib has been very vocal in the fallout to that fight and the whole situation. There was a period for about three or four days where this Floyd Mayweather thing started happening, this rumor. It started when Habib showed up in uh, Russia at a boxing world, boxing super series tournament bout, put his arm around Leonard Ellerby, who is the CEO of Mayweather Promotions. They put out a video that went viral on social media with Habib saying, I'm the real champion, F Floyd, let's fight. Floyd jumped all over it and started tweeting at everyone, MGM Graham, Showtime, everyone, and like was like, let's make this fight. Luckily, happily, since then, in the week since this happened, it's all died down. Dana White even publicly was like, guys, stop. Like, don't don't listen to this. Don't believe this. What do you think happened there? Do you think that was just a joke from Habib, or do you think it was an underlying power move to basically say, if you F me, UFC, I can still make money and still headline big big, big attractions at big events? Uh, I don't know. I don't know, because it could be like, hey, I really want this fight, because did that fight with Floyd, wherever it was, would do big money for Habib. Um, I'm pretty sure most of Russia would get the fight. I don't know how it's selling America, but I know Russia and all the all the former Soviet Union countries and a lot of the Muslim countries it would sell. Oh, it would still sell big. Yeah. Because here's the thing that I've argued this before. I was on the uh, MMA beat and I argued this, and I think the other people on the panel didn't understand what I was saying. Habib was not wrong in my personal belief for how he attacked Connor's team after UFC 229. So he's wrong from a professional standpoint. Mm -hmm. But from a personal standpoint, 
in the culture UFC created, like we talked about two weeks ago, he was mm. not wrong. Yet in the eyes of the average American casual fan who doesn't follow this these stories minute by minute like we do, I think that was a villain moment for Habib. And I think it's it was a marketable villain moment where if he did do a Floyd fight right now, I think the public would look at him as this villain guy, and I think that fight would sell. Well, I, I'm not sure, man. I, I, I'm not sure. The reason why I'm saying I'm not sure is because I think Floyd might have messed himself up by saying that by, by discrediting Conor by saying that um, he really he he didn't fight Conor and he was in training and I, I think I think it's getting to the point where people are starting to sour on Floyd a little bit. Yes. Like if you notice, like Floyd's getting to the point where he has to say stuff to get in the headlines. Like, oh, Canelo, if you all make 300 million in one fight, then holler at me because your deal ain't blah 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 blah. Which his deal is a great deal. Um, sour Floyd's grapes saying, Floyd. yeah. yeah, big time sour For, grapes. And unfortunately, we talking about talking about Badu Jack and dealing with the Javante Davis situation. But instead, he wants to put himself out there. And you, you can see the public is starting to sour on Floyd. Well, and, and, and and I don't know. I think people, I know people. I know I'm hearing like when people I hear from what I've seen when when people bring up that fight, people people are saying like it's a joke. But then some people are saying, you know what? I watch it, so it's pretty much a toss up. At the and end of the, the day, people closer, watch. The hype will get to them. Yeah, I'm not saying I want it. I'm saying it would sell because yeah, it's yeah, such, and the fight is closer. The hype will get to people. It's such crap that people couldn't turn away from it. But I think there's a larger danger. I, I know. I think we've realized at this point this fight's not real. It's not happening. So let's chill out. But I think there's a larger danger, Kingmo, when. I know that the MMA versus boxing debate is, it's not a thing anymore. Like, people gotta stop bringing this up. Like, it was a thing in like 2007, right? It was a thing for two days last year during Mayweather McGregor week because people needed something to write about. But in reality, the two sports really aren't necessarily competing against each other. Yet, if the biggest MMA stars, if their end game is to sell their soul and basically whore out to retired champion Floyd Mayweather, if that's their biggest money date and they're just willing to line themselves up for it, then that's a really bad precedent to the public statement of the health of your sport. And then it brings up this whole MMA versus boxing debate. So I don't like to see that. It was a perfect storm that Connor got famous enough and sellable enough that casuals could believe he could beat Floyd. They did the fight. It did monster business. But anyone moving forward, if you think, well, once I finally get famous in UFC, then I can make a big boxing match where I'll lose and, and sell my soul. Like, I, that's a bad idea for MMA fighters. It's a bad idea, but, you know, like for, for $100 million, <laughs> King no, Mo's like, like, it's a bad idea, but I'll fight Anthony Joshua tomorrow if I have to. Like, no, but, but honestly, for $100 million, like, you know, that, that's a life changing. That's... That, after that fight, you don't have to fight no more. You know what I'm saying? So, like, think about it. You know, Habib, and, and also Habib is undefeated. Habib did drop Connor sooner than Floyd did, but yet the smaller gloves and the grappling. But Habib could could use that. Habib could be like, I'm truly bigger than Floyd because Habib is bigger than Floyd, truly bigger than Floyd. So they could be like David versus Goliath type thing. And I'm pretty sure people would jump on the bad wagon. At first, I was thinking. You know what? This ain't gonna sell. But then oh, I started I realizing how, how easy people fall for the hype. People will buy this pay per view. Oh, they if would. I, Habib, if I be, if I still try to push for it. But that's interesting because I, you know, I make the point that it's it's just so transparent as like I'm just selling my soul for the cash. And and you, from a fighter's perspective, bring up, bring up a good point. If you get that payday, you don't have to do this anymore. Well, you know, I. I, I you know, you don't have to. You know, I'm I'm pretty sure I still would fight. I know Habib probably still fight, but like there are people, their end game is like, hey, I'm gonna be in and out. 
There are a lot of boxers. You know, like Terrence Crawford says he's going to fight for a few more years. He's going to be in and out. There are people that have goals. Gary Russell is going to be out pretty soon. So, you know, you, you, want, you want to be in and out with your safe, with your health, and uh, you want to be, you know, living a good life when you're done. You know who's uh, living the good life these days? It's um, Mexican boxing star Canelo Alvarez. We tease it off the top. I was there in New York last week for the press conference. He signs an 11-fight, five-year, $365 million minimum deal to take his business to DAZN, which, of course, we know has contracts with Bellator MMA, Combate America, uh, some kickboxing. Now with Golden Boy Boxing, Matchroom Sport Boxing with Eddie Hearn, they're adding things fast. Connor signs one of these ridiculous deals that that they're saying makes him the 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 largest. Canelo. Canelo. I'm sorry, Canelo making. Uh, they're saying it's it's a bigger deal than Giancarlo Stanton of the Yankees. Like it's this absurd deal. Kingbo, from a boxing standpoint, it changes the game. It, it tilts the power structure. You have to take the zone seriously on the same level that you do top rank in ESPN. Showtime and PBC, et cetera, et cetera. But if you notice something, when this deal happened, a lot of MMA people tweeting about it too because rising tides lift all boats. And if you're Bellator or Combate on DAZN, this is a giant deal. This makes that platform you just signed with a real thing to the point Canelo's debut on DAZN will be December 15th at the Garden in New York when he moves up in weight to challenge lightly regarded yeah. Rocky Fielding. But that's the same night that we got a pretty nice Bellator card from Hawaii on DAZN that features King Mo, Leota Machida, etc., etc. I talked to people from DAZN and Bellator behind the scenes. They said, look, we can pitch this as the biggest night in combat sports history. DAZN's changing the game from this regard, King Mo. Well, one, they got deep pockets and they're throwing it at people. But they're not afraid to counter-program against themselves. They're being a true video-on-demand, the Netflix of sports. Yeah. Like, we've never actually seen a network buy up everything and then almost compete against themselves and put things on at the same time and be like, hey, you pick what you want to watch. You want to watch both? Set yeah. up your screens. This is pretty massive here. Yeah, and look, I think, yeah, um, I, 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 I saw that my, my own two eyes this past weekend when I was watching Daughter Coast versus Masternet, and I was watching Boo Boo. I was watching Boo Boo's fight. You know what I'm saying? Katie, I was watching Katie um, Taylor versus uh, um, Serrano. Two I was separate back boxing cards that DAZN was putting yeah. on at the same time. Yes, and I was like going back and forth. Man, you know what? I, I like it. PBC had the same idea, and I think that this is like PBC, but to a whole different level. PBC did the did the had the same idea, but opposite. It bought up. They buy up um, slots. They got up slots, and they put them at different times, so where people were watching PBC on different channels, which 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 um broaden the um the spectrum of the stars and and, and put eyes on the uh, on the product. But now what the zones doing is the zones. It's a it's pretty much a box. It's a it's a combat sports network you got to pay for. It's a combat sports Netflix, but with, except it's live. And I think that man, like you know, I love it. I mean, it's I crazy it. to think that Canelo, who just fought. For eighty five ninety nine on pay per view against Triple G and made fifty million, yeah. the biggest pay per view star in North America is now pulled off pay per view. You can watch all his fights for nine ninety nine a month. Look, this is somebody in boxing and MMA saying we're going to take that WWE network model. Yeah, we, and we, that's we, the thing. WWE, the zone to like, the zone, pretty much blended PBC and the WWE network all in one. 
And this is oh, what man, UFC never did with UFC Fight Pass, their own streaming network. They put undercards yeah. on there. They put one-off cards. They never put pay-per-views on there for the same price. So, look, it's going to be really interesting. DAZN's putting up a lot of money up front. Long-term, they're going to need the subscribers, but they think getting Canelo alone will bring an up, up, you know, an upkick of one million subscribers to that app. So why that matters is this. WWE Network's subscriber base right now is somewhere around like 1.6 or 1.7 million. So think about that. That's 1.7 million at 9.99 every month no matter what. If you consider that DAZN now has the two most famous boxers globally, Anthony Joshua and Canelo Alvarez, in terms of active fighters. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're getting legitimate MMA on there. You know, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how you, you pay Canelo this much money and it's not a pay-per-view, but that's not my job to figure it out. Long term, if they keep adding subscribers, if they get suddenly to two million, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. That's how you, that's how you make a splash. And, 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 and you're going to see the UFC have to have to do the same thing. They're going to have to file suit. Either jump, cause now, cause now look at ESPN plus, pay for that. And then fight, fight past the pay for that. And then pay-per-views, you have to pay for that. Eventually, something's going to have to give. Win them three. Maybe all three, all three UFC fan, like, the, you know, the UFC fan base might, might buy all three. But I don't know, I just, I feel, I find it, you know, hard. May, you know, if they're lucky, the, my, the UFC fan base might buy two of the three. If they could do that, they're still good. But I don't see that the UFC fan base buying ESPN plus just for the UFC. Yeah, what this, what this Canelo deal does is challenges the idea in both boxing and MMA is the pay-per-view traditional structure now dead, now irrelevant. Now, it's not going to die right away because, look, Showtime Boxing is still number one in boxing. They're still going to put on pay-per-views. We're, I mean, we got Pacquiao, Adrian Broner probably coming up next. You know, there's going to be pay-per-views. But, and obviously UFC's business is still heavily underwritten by the success of pay-per-views. But, King Mo, I wonder if this challenge is UFC to... Maybe find a middle ground. And what I mean by that is what if they, what if they did this? What if UFC created majors? Now they, they've kind of softly tried that. We know their biggest cards each year is typically New Year's Eve in Vegas, fight week in Vegas in July, uh, Madison Square Garden in November. What if they picked three or four cards, said these are our majors, we're going to load them up every year no matter what, and we're going to charge you 70 bucks for each one separate from, from everything we do. Those are our pay-per-views. But the other pay-per-view quote-unquote pay-per-views the other eight once a month shows you put under ufc fight pass for one price and you try to drive up the subscriptions i know that's a little bit messy because they just signed a deal with espn and they're going to be on espn plus but maybe there's a maybe there's a hybrid ground in there because look king mo nobody who's going to want to pay any more 70 dollars for those in-between pay-per-views where it's like no disrespect to them but it's like cyborg or amanda nunez or someone like that headlining or, or shevchenko or a Brian Ortega, I mean, these are all good fighters and good fights, but when they're headlining, you're not going to do more than 250,000 pay-per-view buys. I think we're getting to a point where asking people to pay $70 for that, it's a dated idea. Maybe you put all those, you know, second-rate pay-per-views under one price per month to try to build your subscription base that way. I don't know. I'm just throwing out ideas. I, I Honestly, I can tell you this. Floyd Mayweather and the UFC killed pay-per-view. They murder pay per views. And what's what you see happening now is people starting to pirate them, or less and less people starting to purchase them. It's it's interesting. It's a very interesting game changer. But you will be fighting the same night as Canelo on the same network. Man, you got to bro out with Canelo. You got to get some of that some of that cheddar that he's got. Maybe he'll drop some some uh, stacks out of his back pocket there. 
Well, I'm hoping that we're hoping it's a different time because we're supposed to fight around like 2 p.m. in Hawaii. So I'm hoping that we fall on something a little different. I don't know. At least I hope I fight before they do so I can catch their fight. I hear, I hear you. <laughs> I have his own on my phone. Thank goodness. Hey, speaking of Bellator, let's break down what has been a really fun heavyweight Grand Prix tournament you were a part of. We saw the semifinal, two semifinal bouts over the past couple of weeks. We now have a championship set. Ryan Bader versus Fedor Emelianenko. I believe that's January 26th in LA. You're going to see that big card. But King Mo, these two semifinal bouts really, I want to say it played out perfectly from the standpoint of the right guys winning. And in really interesting slash entertaining bouts, Ryan Bader, we mentioned off the top, took Matt Mitrione to wrestling school. And anyone that had anything negative on Twitter to say about this fight or this performance, like even some people in the crowd booing, like, shut the heck up. Bader was dominant. He did exactly what he had to do. And I think King Mo, I know it's a favorable style matchup, but I think he seriously announced himself as a major heavyweight player in all of MMA with this performance. Am I crazy? Yeah. A little bit, because the thing is, like, anybody that has any type of wrestling was going to do it to Matt Mitrione. Matt Mitrione can't wrestle to save his life. And there are a few times he actually put himself in positions to get taken down. But Bader looked impressive. And he put himself as a, as a player in, in the heavyweight division, but not, like, I don't see him, like, doing that to to Derek Lewis. I don't see him doing that to Roy Nelson. I, I think I think, I think he'd, he'd give Roy Nelson the issues, but how's he going to keep Roy in his back? Not going to happen. I think certain certain styles will give, him, will give him problems because he's smaller. Even that's why people were booing because if he if if he was if he was the same size as Matt, he would stop Matt. He would stop Matt right. He would stop him, but he's just he's not big enough. I mean, he's big enough, but he's not big enough. Big enough, you know what I'm saying? Matt was stubborn though. I mean, he was he he yeah. wanted to go the distance there and prove that he was tough, but he got ragdolled from start to finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now look, will you agree with this then? At 35. Bader's in his absolute prime, and he may have figured out, which I would never have guessed, that at 235 pounds, maybe heavyweight Ryan Bader is the best version of him possible. Because at light heavyweight, he almost had, like, quote-unquote, warning track power. And I don't mean necessarily the power in his hands. I mean, like, he was a credible, solid contender. But whenever he stepped up to that highest level against John Jones and Anthony Johnson, those guys were just going to be too quick and powerful for him. Maybe at heavyweight, where the speed advantage, the cardio advantage, the wrestling advantage plays into his favor more, he kind of was doing the, you know, the Randy Couture prototype there, the, 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 the Daniel Cormier, uh, Cain Velasquez prototype of come in a little bit smaller, but use cardio and wrestling and, and beat a bigger guy. Like, I feel like Bader at heavyweight, I never knew he could be this good. Yeah, I, he's, he's solid heavyweight. Um, I think that um, the good, a good test for him at heavyweight would be Fedor. If he can get past Fedor, then there's Minikov. And, and I don't know if he really – I don't know Minikov's a bad matchup for him. Honestly, but Minikov's a bad matchup for me. You know what I'm saying? But I still fight him. But his wrestling is so solid. I'm, when I was wrestling on the um, on the freestyle circuit, he was number two and number three in Russia. So I remember seeing his, remember seeing his name and seeing him, some of his results in some of these tournaments. Overseas, so like he's um solid. It's gonna be hard to just take him down, you know. And he's good at sambo, good at judo. So that's the guy that that's the guy to look out for in the heavyweight division. But but Bader, um, Bader, he has he has he has skills. He's pretty quick. He has skills and power, so he can give anybody problems. Though. Now, he can uh, give anybody some problems. You 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 were tentative there to to stop me from from going too far with it, and I and I appreciate that because look, he beat a favorable style matchup. 
he didn't win the heavyweight championship yet. Like, but would you, if Bader just tomorrow signed with UFC, would you consider him a player in that heavyweight division for, for, would you consider him an instant title contender from what you've seen right now? It depends versus who, because versus a guy like Volkov or Ver, how we do versus like, like Verdun's suspended, but how we do versus a guy like Verdun, I think Verdun would submit him. Versus Volkov, I think he possibly be, he could possibly beat, beat Volkov. A guy like Derek Lewis, I want to see how he does past the if he can get past the first round. Yeah, it just depends, man. I have to see a little more, but the thing is, if he can gain confidence and keep doing what he's doing at two thirty five, then yeah, he'll be a, he'll be he'll he'll be a problem. He'll be a contender. If he, if he can get, I have to see more of him versus a guy that can actually like stop a few takedowns because literally, um, Mitch Young showed nothing. Showed nothing on, as far as wrestling. Plus he's had two fights, if we're gonna play devil's advocate, where he really hasn't been hit because of sort yeah. of the fluke nature of your fight with him and then this fight where he took one left hand from Mitch Young in round two and dominated every second of the fight. So we gotta see his chin against legit heavyweight competition. Certainly we'll see that when he fights Fedor, but uh, hey, shout out to Ryan Bader. It was a, a yeah. very strong performance. Kimo, every tournament, like the goal essentially, is that a star would be born because of it, right? Like the Strike Force World Grand Prix heavyweight produced Daniel Cormier. The Super Six Boxing produced Andre Ward at a time where we weren't, you know, necessarily believing he could do that. I think we just saw Alexander Usyk jump through the roof with that cruiserweight tournament. It, you know, if Bader ends up winning this, this is sort of a, I mean, I don't think he's going to be a superstar, but this is a, a, yeah. a surprise star turn for Bellator because he'll be a two division champion. And it'll be suddenly a guy you can, you know, you can play up. So that could be interesting for Bellator. But he's going to have to get past Fedor. And best case scenario, when you plan out a tournament, like when the Strike Force Grand Prix was created, you got to believe Scott Coker's intention was that Fedor would win the <laughs> would win the damn thing and become their champion. Well, I think he's trying. He's trying. He's actually trying to set up Fedor versus Alistar. Yeah, over him that would have been that, that was that was a setup and that fell through. So it, that was the extra setup. You know, it played out perfectly for Scott Coker's plan here. Fedor goes over Chael Sonnen. It was, hey, it was messy. It was sloppy. It was hella fun. Kingbo, did you enjoy this one round brawl as much as I did? Well, yeah. It showed, Fedor's hand speed is back. Like the his speed, man. Like, like it was. It's back. I've never seen him throw hands like that since he fought Brett Rogers at Force. Um, his left hook, oh my gosh. Wow. No, like, that thing a, came out of nowhere. It's weird. Every, like, every fight we gotta be careful of overblowing or say, you know, not realizing the style matchup. How much do we put in this fight that, like, look, you just, you fought an old blown up middleweight in Chelsea Sonnen? Well, the thing is, yeah, not, I, I know, I knew, I, I knew he'd give, he'd give, he'd give Chell issues and probably beat Chell. But, you know, because Chell's, you know, a little smaller. But just the hand speed. The, Fedor's hand speed is what shocked me because he his hand speed looked blindingly fast. Uh, um, his left took his punches he threw. Um, he looked he looked very fluid, very explosive. That that's what shocked. That's what got me more than anything was how fast his hands looked because I haven't seen his hands look that fast in a long time. I was impressed with his reversals on the ground too. You know oh yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. Especially off the takedown, he has good hips because I saw him. He did a judo, judo type throw. As he's going to his back, he's, he has cat-like reflexes. I give him that. I don't know how he's doing it here, but it's good to see. Look at the fans that have that soft spot for him, rightfully so. Uh, Chael, you know, he he went he went for it. Look, Chael was was you know was the betting underdog this entire tournament. So I give him credit for getting to this point. 
he he tried his best. I mean, he took Fedor's back at one point. He, he put himself in position to at least have a shot at it. But in the end, he was honest and just said, "Look, that ground upon is sick. Like that, yeah. like that hurts. Like that'll end your night." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fedor, Fedor is that boy has some pop. No, <laughs> he still got that pop. He still got it. You got to give yeah. him that. Uh, I like Bader Fader. I don't know if we're going to call it Bader Fedor or Bader Fedor, but either way, it's a very interesting matchup, King Mo. You got the potential for Bader to kind of make an unlikely star turn with a victory. You got great ratings potential for Fedor to win and suddenly be your heavyweight champion and have this, you know, cherry on top moment for his career. But the cool thing is, King Mo, as good as Bader is in his prime stamina, wrestling, sneaky boxing, it takes one. It takes one Fedor right hand. I mean, this is going to be pins and needles. Not just right hand, left hook, one Fedor scramble. Because the thing is, Fedor lives with a scramble. So off of a scramble, when Fedor gets up, he's looking for the kill. Watch any Fedor fight after a scramble and he gets free. That's when it's like spider senses start tingling because (laughs) he's going to come with that heat. I don't know how to handicap this. Like, I think you make Bader the favorite younger. If this fight goes deep, look, that, if you tap Fedor's gas tank, that's going to be the best chance to, to keep him away. But man, this is a really kind of sexy matchup from the, the basic idea of puncher versus grappler. Yeah. Well, actually, they're both grapplers. It's just, they're both grapplers. It's just that Fedor's a bigger puncher. You know, Bader, Bader can punch, but Fedor's punches, are more explosive and he can punch, he can knock you out from any angles. Punches come from all weird angles. His hooks come real fast. Um, you shoot on him and you, and you give him a little space. He'll scramble up or throw you. So, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna be an interesting matchup. If you, I have, I have, I have, I have, honestly, I have a 55, 55, um, 45 in favor of Bader. I was just gonna say, if you, you know, if you were, uh, in a position where, uh, you had to bet your life savings on this fight, which changes the betting odds when it's this serious, I mean, it's like, who do you lean on? Well, it, honestly, if, 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 if they're a knockout, we know Fedor, Fedor knocked him out. He's gonna have to decision Fedor or try to submit him. It's gonna be a very, very interesting fight. I, or I maybe love knock, it. If, you, if you catch him in a scramble and knock him out. It, it, it's gonna be fun. Uh, King Mo, we have some fallout from UFC 230, which is what, like a week and a half away in New York. Man, yeah. some wildness took. I mean, this card was always wild because we've been waiting for months to figure out are they going to give it a suitable main event? What's going to happen? Is Nate Diaz really going to fight? Is John Jones going to come back and rescue it? In the end, a lot of craziness happened. Dustin Poirier pulled out with a hip injury that won't require surgery, but this pulled Nate Diaz off the card. Dana White and UFC did not put him back in in one. In fact, Dana has basically come out and said, like, I can't deal with this guy. So I'm using somebody else in the company to deal with this guy. I'm only going to offer Nate a fight again when he really needs to fight. When he Like, like you won't see Nate again unless he really wants to be back there. So the result was a last-minute fun heavyweight championship bout. Daniel Cormier, Derek Lewis, certainly timing is everything, and Derek Lewis is fresh off uh, the, the come-from-behind victory at UFC 229 against Alexander Volkov. The My Balls is Hot line afterwards. Derek, why'd you take your pants off? My balls is hot. I understand. I understand that, too, that he increased, like, 600,000 Instagram followers. Kingbo, there, there's ways you can pick this apart, but for, as a Band-Aid, as a last minute, we have nothing else going on. It's really, it's going to be fun at the very least, right? It could be. All right, here's the thing, right? Like, Okay. Derek Lewis's fights 
only fun from the result. Because think, if you think about this, his last four fights he's been booed until he got the knockout. So if Daniel just can control him early, which I think he will, then there will be no knockout. If Daniel's too quick, he's too smart, and he'll just find ways to milk, milk the clock where, where Lewis down, possibly get submission stoppage or just get, this, get a clean, smart decision. How, how much should we harp on this? Look, I just mentioned, great Band-Aid. UFC really had was down on its options, right? But Lewis, in a pretty uh, one-sided three-round fight that he won against Volkov, but he absorbed, you know, I think it was like 74 strikes to the head, and he lost almost every second of that fight. He's coming back on uh, less than one-month turnaround. He's technically has a Nevada State Athletic Commission suspension that shouldn't allow him to be in this fight. And Cormier just two and a half weeks ago told Luke Thomas on the MMA Hour that he can't even close his right fist. It's still injured from the Stephen Miocic fight. That's interesting. New York State Athletic Commission, which is known to be stringent, said we still have some tests to do before we fully make this official. Well, hey, guys, it's already official. The fight's already happened, and the posters have already been made. I don't see them not doing this fight, but this kind of tests their own reputation because, in reality, this fight shouldn't be happening from the combination of Cormier's hand and Lewis turning it around so quickly. Will either of those things, like, play a factor in this fight? Well... Kind of, but here's one thing that's going to be honest that people are missing. They all are missing out on. Derek Lewis said he can't go five rounds. Yes. Um, you saw Derek Lewis for gas. Derek Lewis took a lot of shots to the body. Derek Lewis, I, he's tough. He's a competitor. But once you hear that, then that kind of realizes, like, hey, just to knock a guy, a guy that's quicker, shorter, and very elusive out. They have good wrestling. So if Derek Lewis comes in too, too overly aggressive, which he might, he'll get taken down. And he'll get taken down over and over again and get in fatigue. And get fatigued. And then after, once fatigue gets in, Dan will have his way with him. It almost won't matter if his right hand isn't working at, at no, that point. No, he'll just wrestle him and grapple him and stay on him. Because don't forget, Dan will go into this fight weighing about 240, 250. So he'll be heavy himself. And on top, Dan, on top he's very heavy on top. He's top heavy. So Lewis will have a hard time getting back to his feet. And, you know, Lewis is so refreshingly honest. That's why we love him. But you said it after he beat Volkov. He said, you know, I'm not ready for a title shot. I'm not even in three-round shape, let alone five-round shape. And now UFC pushing him right into the deep end to save this card. Derek Lewis has also been honest in saying this, King Mo. I don't deserve this fight. Stipe Miocic deserves this fight. Stipe, rightfully upset in the media, said he offered to fight Daniel to save this card. Daniel turned it down. DC's been honest in saying, like, yeah. You know, that's a tougher fight. I, I took this fight because of the situation. Now, certainly UFC's going to pay DC the big-time pay-per-view headlining money to force him to come in with a bad hand in this type of matchup. But what what do you owe Stipe here? I mean, DC wasn't going to accept a rematch against him this quickly when he's hurt. Do you just say, hey, Stipe, sorry, dude, because not well, they only— should are, have, They should have Stipe versus Derek Lewis. Because not only is Stipe not going to get this fight, King Mo, if DC wins and isn't hurt— He's not going to get the next title shot either because Brock Lesnar's waiting to come off that drug suspension in January. So you're kind of doing Stipe dirty, true or false? Yeah, but that's the UFC. Stipe knows what he got himself into. Um, and the thing is, who knows if the Brock Lesnar versus, versus Dan fight might happen? Because it could, it could easily, it could always turn around and try to do, and try to do Brock versus John Jones in February or January or March. 
You just never know. You never know. And, if, and say Daniel hurts his hand with, um, Derek Lewis, uh, with Derek Lewis, and you know, and it's real bad. Who knows? So, uh, I hope he don't get injured. But injuries change things. Start, stuff happens. Certain, like you know, let's say Derek Lewis is competitive, and it's a split decision win for Daniel. Derek Lewis could end up getting a fight. Say Daniel gets hurt. Derek Lewis could end up getting a fight versus uh, versus Brock or. The winner of Ngannou and uh, um, Curtis Blades. Who knows? Anything can happen. I mean, you just nailed out some of the potential scenarios. I mean, DC can win and get hurt. So ultimately, in the big picture, he'll lose. So he is risking a lot because we thought that the DC endgame was going to be fight Brock in, let's say, January or February. And then either if he can get Jones in a trilogy, great. If not, he said he's going to retire in March when he turns 40. I no longer believe that. I think that he's going to fight John Jones in some form no matter what. But this could kind of screw up his timeline. It also could cost him the heavyweight championship if he loses King Mo. So it's a gamble. DC's that kind of competitor, company man with the UFC. Like I said, probably getting the big-time money that he wasn't getting in the past to make him make this decision. But DC also said this. I'm going to come back, and if I lose my heavyweight championship... Don't think that necessarily means I'm giving up the light heavyweight belt. Well, we got a problem here, DC, because John Jones has signed on to face Alexander Gustafson in a rematch December 29th, UFC 232 in Vegas, for your light heavyweight championship. That'll be stripped of you the moment those guys walk through the cage. So, Kingmo, what actually would happen if Derek Lewis but, defeats... But, but, but I'm confused. Why are they shipping Daniel the belt? For what reason? Well, I guess I the think. precedent is that after Connor won two belts against Eddie at 205, a month later they said, pick a belt, pick a, pick a title. You're going to be stripped of the other one. So at first they didn't do that to DC, right? Now suddenly with John Jones coming back, they're going to do that. But DC's throwing a curveball here saying, if I lose the heavyweight belt, I'm not giving up that 205 belt. What's going to, what the heck would happen next if he did? Well, it'd be champion versus champion. That's all. <laughs> I mean, if he, I mean, is he in a no lose situation, or or could he lose a lot here? I don't think he's not. really because he never lost the belt. He's not gonna lose anything. It'll be champ for champion. That's all he's gonna do. It'll be champ for champion because really, Dan will be the champion that got stripped, even though he's still champion two five versus the champion Gustafson or Jones, the 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 newly current interim champions. What they'll say? Yeah, you're right. The Jones will be the interim champion. It's yeah. it, oh, it's crazy. But Nate Diaz got pulled off this card, and then uh, because of Poirier's injury, and then this week, King Luke Rockhold's off. This Weidman yeah. rematch that became the co-main event at the last minute that I've loved and still wanted at UFC 199 two years ago, not happening because Rockhold's got like three different injuries. But hey, for a last-minute co-main event, Chris Weidman's now going to face Jacare Souza, who was originally going to face, uh, uh, what's his name on this card? Was it David Branch? Yeah, David Branch, yep. Now they're bumping up Jacare Hey, Weidman Jacare is kind of a sexy old guy fight. And now Chris Weidman saying, hey guys, if I win this, I'm getting a title shot. This is a number one contender's bout. Your thoughts on this as a last minute co-main? Hmm. Great, great co-main. Um, I don't know if he deserves a title shot to say. Maybe, maybe the winner of Romero and Gastelum. Well, Whitaker's gonna fight. I mean, I mean, no, I mean, who's, I mean, Romero, Romero and Paulo Costa, they can do some type of tournament. A four-way tournament. I don't know. It's going to be interesting, though. I don't know if he's necessarily deserving. Let's let's not forget we have Derek Brunson and Israel Adesanya on the same card. Another good middleweight matchup. But Weidman Jacare is interesting here because Weidman is at that point, mid to late thirties, where a big-time loss 
you know, who knows if he gets back to this point, yet has a big enough name where you, you kind of see them wanting to do Whitaker Weidman if they have that chance down the road. I mean, you, you know, you could, you could see them wanting to do that. Can put himself in a good spot with a win for sure, King Mo. Uh, wild stuff at UFC 230. Unfortunately, in the end, it doesn't live up to the reputation that those MSG cards had had with 205, McGregor versus Alvarez, and Joanna on that card, and Woodley Thompson won, and of course 217, which was massive with uh, GSP Bisping. You had Rose, Joanna won. You had TJ, Cody won. We don't have that level, but are you still excited about 230? Is this still moving you at all, personally, Kingbo? You're gonna well, get, you're well, gonna make this appointment viewing or nothing? I don't. I don't get moved by any fight until. I don't get. I don't get moved by fights until it gets closer. You know. Um. I think that it's been a good fight for Daniel. I watch Daniel fight, and I watch the. I watch the main card. You know what I'm saying? But um. The, for, for the. For, to be honest with you, I don't know the rest of the card. Another main card. I'll. I'll watch the main card. I'll be looking forward to that. Uh, this card's been uh, ripped up and, and flipped upside down, but we now have David Branch facing Jared Cannonier at last last minute. Okay, that's got good. Middleweights good Carl Roberson and Jack Marshman on the main card. That fight's not moving me, King Mo. I like Branch and uh, Adesanya a lot. We'll, 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 we'll see because what, what happens if it's a good fight? You know, we, you know, you can't just because their names aren't big. Let's see how they perform. You know. So Sajara Eubanks, who got jerked around, she at one point she was going to fight Shevchenko for that vacant flyweight title in the co-main, or I'm sorry, the main event. Then that fight got pulled. Luckily for Dana White, he came to his senses and rebooked Shevchenko against Ioana at UFC 231 coming up in December. But Sajara Eubanks came out and said that she called Dana White and basically dropped F-bombs and, and tore him up. So she's getting Roxanne Modafferi on the preliminary card here. She'll stay on the card. Wild situation, man. This has been this has been all over the place. Uh, typical UFC in 2018, though. Typical <laughs> typical UFC. Yeah. But you know the thing is, when this fight week comes on, Lewis is going to say crazy stuff in the interviews. We all love us some DC. For all we know, that fight can be a sneaky brawl. I mean, you know, it's still going to be still going to be fun. It's still going to be wild. Where does Nate Diaz go though next? Now, all those things we laid out. Dana White not wanting to deal with him. He's not going to get this Poirier fight after all. We all know he's got that lottery ticket of a Connor trilogy that they can cash in at any point, whether both guys are hot or both guys are cold. Do you think we will see him again in the first half of 2019, or is it going to be typical, like, nonsense between the two parties? Well, well if I were in the UFC, I'd try to get him to fight Kevin Lee. Five-round fight, main event, him versus Kevin Lee. If he wins, he gets a title shot. That's true. That's true, man. Wouldn't you like Nate and Tony? I mean, you don't have to because you're probably going to get Habib and Tony, but... Yeah, Nate and Tony would be good, too. I, I think Dana should be in a position now where if he hates Nate this much, put Nate in a really tough-ass fight, but give him the money, and in your mind, hey, if he loses, he's, he's out of here. Like, yeah. put him in against Tony, but give him good money to do it, and... Or versus Dustin. Yeah, yeah, make make that fight happen. Uh We said it, and it's true. John Jones, UFC 232, he is coming back, King Mo. And he has been installed as a fairly massive favorite against Gustafson for this rematch. I believe it was like plus 800 or something absurd. So the idea is in, in making him this big a favorite that their first fight in 2013, the all-time great classic, some people think the greatest fight in UFC history, was only that good because Jones was doing cocaine the week of and has admitted afterwards that he walked to the cage pretty content with the fact that he was going to lose that night because he was not prepared. Turns out to be this epic brawl. Can you buy into that? Or or are they like, you know, five years older that this fight may end up being closer because, hey, guys, Jones didn't look all that great against OSP. 
And we still don't know what to believe for that DC rematch of how much of his system was uh, tainted or not. I mean, where do you sort of set the line on this fight? You think it's we're, we're facing a, a, an epic matchup again? I think so. I think it'd be closer. I think this whole, like, you know, he went out there knowing, you know, man, please, no one goes out there except the fact they're going to lose. No one does that. And like, who, like, why would, like, that's stupid. Like, I, no. If he, if he went out there except the fact he's going to lose, he would never came dug deep to win the fifth round. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, Jones has dropped this quote a couple different places since coming back. He says, the amount of steroids found in my system at UFC 214 was like a pinch of salt in a swimming pool, end quote. I, I want to ask this question because I've been really hard on John Jones like everybody else, but he's back. He's cleared. He went through the USADA battles. He got every benefit of the doubt. He's not going to miss two to four years of his career. He's going to be in a giant main event that we're all going to be excited for. Has the media been... Too hard on him, given his shady history. Uh, man, I honestly I don't know, man. Uh, the media just covers the media covers what's ever out. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not like the media's out there saying m- bashing John Jones every day. If he does something, the media covers it. They check him on it. You know what I'm saying? But other than that, not, I, don't, I don't see people out there just bashing him. Like y'all are tough on like as opposed to, but I don't see people out there just targeting John Jones and bashing him. Then how do you personally deal? With the fallout of that defeat against Cormier by head kick that's turned to a no contest, do you accept that fight as what we saw happened happened? Do you accept the idea that John Jones is back and he's going to be clean and, 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 like, I mean, where are you at with the idea of what we do with him? Meaning, how much do we hold against him? He's been caught twice for drugs, but both well, cases had a sort of slimy backdoor way he escaped it. Do we give him the benefit of the doubt? Do we, does this question how we think of him all the time? Where are you at right now engaging what you can believe with John Jones? I don't gauge anything. That's for the future to decide. All right, now I'm just living because my, my thing is no one's like trying to figure out who's doing it. No one's, none of us are going out there saying, well, let's investigate what John Jones is doing. Let's see what he ate on the, on last Thursday and let's break. No, we're, we're, you know what? We'll come to our conclusion after he fights Gustafson. Let's say he goes out there and looks terrible for Gustafson. He's gassed out or he can't take Gustafson down. He's struggling to pick him up or then, you know what? If he's struggling to do all that stuff and when he was doing that stuff earlier, it's easy to everybody else, then we could come to the conclusion that, hey, maybe that stuff helped him in the past. But we'll just see, let's see, let's see what, let's see how he looks. Uh, let's see how he looks, man. Cause I, no, no one knows anything. All we can do is take his word for it. Usada did nothing. The UFC did nothing. Obviously, something happened, but we don't know. But all we can do is speculate or just move forward and see how he looks and come come, come to a conclusion off that. I wonder if one day we'll come to a point where all these drugs will be legal. You just have to disclose what you're doing and and take a ton of tests. And we won't look back anymore and be like, well, this guy's shady. Oh, this guy's career is tainted. We'll just be like, yeah, John Jones, he probably used like other people did, but he's also the best fighter we've ever seen. I wonder if we'll ever get to that. I I doubt that because then you'll see a lot of fighters dying a lot lot sooner – Life expectancy of fighters will be like forty years old. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's hard. It's hard. You see fighters dying all big. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like eight pack and dead, high blood pressure. Uh, I I I think I'm fairly confident we're going to see Jones Cormier three in 2019. I'm not sure of the weight. I'd actually prefer to see it at heavyweight. Jones is telling everyone every interview he does that he doesn't want the trilogy. Doesn't even want to go to heavyweight right now unless it's Brock Lesnar. Kimar, are you as confident as I am that in some form? We're going to see that trilogy because I think you can make it even if a guy's coming off a loss. I think it's just one of those fights people Maybe. need to see. It depends, man. Let's say Goosen goes out there and sparks. Let's say Goosen goes out there and sparks Jones. 
Well, if he goes out there and Sparks Jones stops him in the second round, goes out there gets a 10 8 in the first, stops him in the second, would you want to see a Jones Cormier rematch then? Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. I'm um, saying 10 8 stoppage. You know, like, that's, like, if Goosey goes out there and dominates him, like, I mean, like, no if, ands, or buts from the, from the first jab, the first one, two, dominating him. You know, like, like, if that happens, like, there will be no need for a rematch between Dan Cormier and, and Jones. Do you think that fight, if we get it, will do Connor levels, Brock levels? Do you think that fight will be potentially one, you know, a two million buy pay per view, Jones Cormier three? About next year, probably not, because I think the zone will be so much bigger. I think it gets to the point where the UFC will have to change something, and they might go to the zone model by next year. Wild. And I, I really think I think I think I think that when that fight happens, their the UFC fight pass numbers will go up. Though if they do it, they if they do the zone numbers, the UFC fight passes. I'll, they'll make more money doing that in pay-per-views. It's crazy, though, that if Jones comes out and beats Gustafson in the rematch and looks great, he kind of has an opportunity to, to erase a lot of the negatives of his past. We'll be back right in those columns. Well, he's that... a chance to fight, he's a chance to fight John Jones. He's a chance to fight Rick Brock Lesnar. Yeah. If, he goes, if he goes up there and smashes Gustafson, he's a chance to make that fight happen. Because the UFC will, 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 could probably, they might go, they might go, let's see, which, how did Steve Favors Cormier look, champ versus champ? How the numbers do? Okay, let's say how the numbers did versus Gustafson versus versus uh, John Jones. And mind you, John Jones has been gone for a year, and Gustafson has been gone for a while too. And if that does more, if that has higher numbers than um, than uh, Jones and Lewis and Jones, I mean, than Cormier and Lewis and Cormier and Stipe does, then I'm pretty sure they'll have John Jones fight Brock Lesnar. Wild, wild times, King Mo. All you have to do is be a guy that moves numbers, and it doesn't matter what you've done in yep. your life. You'll still get opportunities. Hey, one of the good guys in this sport, Eddie Alvarez, the king of the underground, uh, made all those rumors true. He did sign with one championships in uh, in Singapore, the uh, Asian-based MMA promotion that you saw Ben Askren at the last few years. At age 34, he signed a deal that's, quote, worth eight figures, turning down offers from Bellator and offer to return to UFC. Uh what do you make of this? Because, uh, you know, I wanted to see Eddie and Bellator. I think there was so many fun fights you can make. I think he could have been like almost one of the faces of the company again since he goes back to Bellator 1. I mean, he's been the hardest soul of, of, of that promotion. But I, I can't hate on the guy for taking the big money and going to Asia and trying to get yet another championship and a new promotion. I still think King Mo, we're going to end up seeing him back in Bellator one day. I think this is just a, let me build my retirement plan for a couple of years. Maybe fight Shinya Aoki a third time. What do you make of this? I don't know. He he could possibly finish out there. They're paying good money because of the star there. Why would he want to come back to Bellator? That's fair. That's fair. Um, I don't. You know, the problem, of course, for American fans is we love watching this guy. And who is he going to fight there? I don't know. But all, all it comes down to is what they're paying him. I'll, you know, I'll, never, the offer. I'll never be against the guy, uh, you know, putting his family's future first, being a smart yeah. businessman. This seemed like that opportunity. I'm a little surprised by it. I'm a little surprised, but, but one's got some cash. They, they, you know, they had Ben Askren for a while. They, they need a face of the company. Eddie can certainly be that. Um, speaking of Ben Askren, who retired, formerly the one champion, formerly the Bellator champion, it seems to be the idea of him having that one big chance and finally fighting the UFC is not over. He responded to a tweet asking him by saying there's a 98% chance he fights in UFC. And Ariel Hawani of ESPN then quote tweeted and basically said, I'm hearing rumors. There's talks. This could be a reality. Kingbo, Ben Askren finally getting that shot in the UFC would fire me the heck up. 
But against who? Against who? Imagine him versus Woodley. It's almost like Dana White taking a guy he hates in Askren, who he never let in the company, putting him against a guy he hates worse in Woodley, and seeing who could be the best welterweight in the world. This would fire me the heck up, you? Yeah, uh, well, yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what he does with him. Cause I don't see him giving him Willie right, right off the bat. They probably give him somebody else at 170, maybe Kamaru Usman, maybe or something like that. If he could beat that guy, then he could deserve, deserve his house shot, or maybe I don't know, give him a good guy, solid guy at 170. Who knows? You know, somebody solid at 170 to fight. This would be a big turn for Dana, who's hated Askren from day one and never never wanted them in the company, thought he was too boring. But I'd love to see, you know, I love one-dimensional guys, King Mo, and this guy's one dimension in wrestling is just incredible. Can he do what he did in other organizations around the world, just dominate guys, just lay on them and slap them in the face? Can he do that on the UFC top ten level? Possibly, we'll find out. Um, I'm going to say he's, he's, he's multidimensional in grappling. He's one-dimensional, but he's multi-dimensional in grappling because standing on the ground or off his back or any scramble, he's he'll he'll get you. He he's very interesting to watch. It it, it I'd like to see him get. That. You want everyone to get that one shot when they haven't had it to get to see there in the UFC. Uh, UFC this weekend is that Moncton card. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. That's in uh, Canada. That's in New Brunswick, Canada. That's pretty wild that UFC's going there. Um, we're not going to see Artem against Habib's boy like we mentioned, but uh, Artem against Michael Johnson. Uh, I feel like uh, Connor's boy is going to take a big L here. Yeah, he'll probably get out wrestled, out boxed. Um, um, Johnson has better boxing. Better, I, think, I think Johnson's a crisper fighter, but Lowell, he has power. He's, he's, he's kind of he's wild. Not wild, but he throws a lot of heat. Um, I, just, I just see Johnson not working him. Randy Cleaner shots. The main event, though, kind of sneaky good here. Light heavyweights, former title challenger Vulcan Ozdemir, South Florida guy, against red-hot Anthony Smith. King Bo, what the heck's going to happen here? We're going to see some fireworks, bro. These guys are going to bang. And the thing is, I think Anthony Smith has the advantage due to the speed. Speed and cardio. Vulcan is big, gets a lot of weight. It's kind of slow. He can hit hard, but I just think Anthony Smith has more. I think Anthony can wrestle him as well. Um, if he needs to. It's playing up the potential for a knockout by next to Vulcan's yeah. face. It says fastest knockout 15 seconds. Next to Smith's face says fastest knockout 22 seconds. This could be wild and considering the lack of depth in that division, especially if Smith wins, this is the kind of win that, that propels you to the title picture, King. Well, I know he's beaten older fellas in Shogun Hua and Rashad Evans, Hector Lombard, but, uh, this would be a fairly solid giant win for Anthony Smith. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a big win. It'd be a big win for him. Interesting stuff. I'm not a hater on that card whatsoever. I'm gonna watch that. Um, to close here, King Mo GSP. Uh, he did an interview with ESPN. Dana talked with ESPN and, and sort of fired back. It seems where we're at is this: GSP still batting a little, battling a little bit of colitis at 37. He said he can't come back right away, but he'd still like to do one more fight. Dana came back and was like, what makes you think you deserve a Habib fight? If you want to fight Habib, you need to beat a top five lightweight first. The fear, of course, King Mo, is that GSP would win a title in his third weight class and then drop the belt like he did at middleweight. Here's the thing, though, King Mo. I hate how UFC picks and chooses which guys they support, which guys they give carte blanche to. I know that secretly Dana hates that GSP has more leverage than a lot of guys have. I mean, really, the guys who have leverage right now, Conor McGregor, Brock Lesnar, 
Ronda if she came back. John Jones to a certain degree. And certainly GSP. He's got leverage. He can call his own shots. He can do what he wants. Why wouldn't Dana embrace that? Why wouldn't Dana say, let's give him the chance to be the, the first three-division champion? GSP is a baby face if we're talking about wrestling terms. Right now, UFC's making money off all these villains, like Connor, like John Jones. Like, even though Habib's not a villain, some people believe, you know, presents that he is. GSP's a baby face. Why would Dana not right away be like, GSP, whatever it takes for you to get healthy, you and Habib in the spring, giant pay-per-view numbers, 155 for the title. Let's do it. Yeah, uh, just because because he vacated the 185 title. That's all it is. But there's no rules anymore. Dana White breaks the rules every day on what championships matter. Well, about, yeah, there are rules. The rules are just don't break Dana White's rules. <laughs> it comes down. That's the rules. Don't break. Listen, there are with all the rules, but you don't really have to follow them. But just don't break my rules or get me mad. That's what Dana White's rules are. All right, here's my deal with GSP. I think he's getting a little bit of a, a played wrong by Dana, like I just mentioned. But if it comes down to this, that Dana will not make that fight, and certainly I don't think GSP is going to go take a fight against a top five killer lightweight for a chance at a lightweight title. GSP doesn't work like that. He's only taking big fights. And GSP says, I will not fight Nate Diaz. I want nothing to do with that. So if they're not going to make the fight you want, GSP, but you still feel like you need one more fight or one big moment to put a cherry on top of your career, I'm going to turn the sword back at GSP and say, you know what, bro? Fight Woodley. Shut up and fight Woodley because here's the deal. I know you're going to be 38 next year, but Woodley's going to be 37 next year. And, you know, shout out to Matt Hughes, but we could really de- declare right here who's the greatest welterweight champion in UFC history. The former champion who never lost his belt against the current champion who's red hot. King Mo, make this legacy fight if you're GSP. The pressure's on you, bro. No pick and choose. You got an old champion in Woodley right in his prime right now. Make the damn fight. Yeah, but it wouldn't sell. But no, it would sell. Him versus Anderson. Yeah, he just doesn't. He doesn't seem to care about that though. Yeah, but but I think it's the point where you have to care about something because he he won't get to have beat fight. I don't think he wants to fight Woodley. And he can make more money fighting Anderson than he could fight Woodley, so. Does he owe us anything? No. Nope. I just don't want to see him teasing us for another year. Like, But he's going it. to. He's been teasing people for the last four years. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. What do you think him and Habib would look like? I, we're not going to see it. I, I'm fairly convinced we're not going to see it. If we saw that in April, what the Habib would, would Habib would beat him. I mean, would it depend on how GSP could look at 155, or would you GSP say... GSP would not look good at 155. Not good. Mm. Would, that's, he, that's, would he lose the... Uh, like, what made him a great wrestler? Was it speed? No, it was... No, it, it, his wrestling's okay. It's more his setups for to take now. Because he really just can't wrestle. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I've seen him... I've actually wrestled with him, like, actually wrestling. And he's not a wrestler. So it's his punches that get the takedowns. He brings your hands up. But with Habib, Habib would really would out wrestle him, and and for especially at 155, he'd be worthless. That's 15 pounds less than when he walk, cuts cuts weight to make it 170. He would not be worth worth anything at one um, at, at 155. Then, do you think the best route is for him if he doesn't want to fight Silva, doesn't want to fight Woodley, doesn't can't get a lightweight title shot? Do you get Connor a win, and then next fall? You do Connor GSP for no belt, just for pay-per-view buys and shits and giggles? Yeah, if you want to, you know, or just retire, George. 
Hey, maybe so maybe he can fight King Mo in a money weight fight. Maybe maybe that's the answer. Right? If he wants to get beat, but if I was him, he needs to retire. Just you know, enjoy life. He's been fighting long enough. If he wants to get these hands, call King Mo. That that's really what it comes <laughs> down to. King Mo, we're gonna see you December fifteenth, like we mentioned. You're gonna put it on Liam McGarry. Hey, you know, in Bellator, there's a lot of sexy names. Maybe you get Machito with a win. Maybe you get back in a title shot. Maybe you can fight Bader. You'd never fight Chael, would you? Uh, I don't know if they made it happen, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't openly seek it. All right. Is there anybody in that state? I mean, we talked about you running back career losses. I'm down with that. I'm down with the King Mo Tour of Destruction to run back all those defeats. But, uh, is there anyone in Bellator right now that you're, that you look at? They're like, I'd fight that guy besides Mitrion. Anybody else? Uh, anybody, I don't care. You know, I, I, it doesn't make make any difference to me. No difference at all. It's never no. personal for this guy, Kingmo. Never. No, it's just it's business. All right. Would you fight Gegard? Yeah, I'd fight Gegard. Right. Hell yeah. Right. Kingmo, Kingmo, that's the guy, the money guy. He doesn't fool around. There's no, there's no BS with Kingmo. All right. Nah, it's just it's fighting the fight. Fight right. to fight. You know right. Anything it's else you're looking forward to? Rest, pro wrestling, boxing. What, 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 what's on your mind? Anything? Anything else? Uh, nothing, nothing just yet. More, more the Charlo Triple G fight if it happens. I'd love that. Oh man, that's a that's a tough matchup for Triple G. Yeah, yeah. Now you want to find out if a Charlo, if we're talking about Jermall here at the middleweight, if yeah. you want to find out if he's got a chin, certainly. But the the speed and power combo, if he has the poise that Danny Jacobs had, that's interesting. Yeah, he's a savage. You know what I'm saying? He's a brute. Do you like? Uh, tell me if because I kind of like this. If if the judges were legit, I think Boo Boo Andrade and Danny Jacobs, who are both the zone guys now, could beat Canelo. Uh, they could, but I'm not sure about Danny Jacobs. Maybe. It depends. He's got a tough fight this Saturday, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And the the Canelo I saw fight Triple G beats a lot of good people. And don't forget, Canelo's only 29. (laughs) He's got balls, too. You gotta give him credit for his chin. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. All right, King Mo. Uh, follow him on social media at KingMoFH. Follow him to DAZN on December 15th when he's back in that damn cage. Yep. Support our show with a five-star review. Kigmo, do you have any message for all your legions of followers and fans out there as we end yet another walk up and down the Combat Sports Audio Road? Y'all subscribe to DAZN. <laughs> Make sure y'all tune in. Subscribe to DAZN and tune in and watch these good boxing matches and good fights on Bellator and Combates America. And I got them two words. You go ahead and say it, Brian. Oh, yeah. We out.